How many of us can say that name? How many of you are familiar with St. Dionysius, by a show of hands? That's what I figured, yeah. Good. So, by God's providence, St. Dionysius' feast, December 17th, is on a Sunday this year. So you all will learn about St. Dionysius. He will become someone who is alive to you because he's an incredible saint, as so many of our saints are. St. Dionysius lived hundreds of years ago under the, uh, the time of the Ottoman rule in Greece. And he was born on the island of Zakynthos, which is, if you can imagine, Greece and Italy, the boots, the very heel of Italy, right across the sea there, there are these three islands, the Ionian islands, Corfu, uh, Catalonia, and Zakynthos. So he was born on one of those islands, Zakynthos, and was a very holy young boy, holy man, eventually became a monk, and uh, had the desire to visit the, the place of our Lord's passion and resurrection, the Holy Land, so he was traveling into Athens to continue on to the Holy Land. And the bishop there, the archbishop there, saw what great holiness he had before him with this young man. And so he ordained him to the priesthood and then eventually had him become the archbishop of the island of Echina, which you may have heard of because of a recent saint, St. Nicarius. And that's another island that's sort of near Athens. So he was there. Uh, the island had been without a bishop for decades, and so they were very thankful to have him. He revitalized the church. There had been some invasion and destruction of things there. And so he was very loved on the island, but his heart yearned for that life of solitude, the monastic life. And so he eventually returned back to Zakynthos and then went to this tiny little island, this Torfada island, which is south of there. It's just about big enough to have a farm on it. And that's where he lived and started a monastery. And so he reposed in the Lord. And uh, his relics after, as is customary, his relics were exhumed. All people's uh, bones are, are exhumed after about three years. And his body was found to be entirely incorrupt. With the skin on his bones, everything's still there. And so this, of course, is a great miracle. And his relics were eventually brought to the island of Zakynthos. And now for hundreds of years, his incorrupt relics are there for the faithful to venerate, to receive his intercession. He is one of the three guardians, as St. Paisio says, against the incursions of the West. Because on Corfu are the incorrupt relics of St. Spiridon. On Cephalonia are the incorrupt relics of St. Erasmus. And on Zakynthos are the incorrupt relics of St. Dionysios. These three that are there have offered so many miracles to the faithful, it's hard to recount them. But I encourage you, go online and read about some of the miracles of these incredible saints. So there are many things that we can learn from St. Dionysios, from his life, that we can apply to our life. I'd like to focus just on two of these. The first is a story from his life. So when he was a monk, uh, this was later in his life after he had already been an archbishop, and he, was, uh, he returned to the island in solitude in Zakynthos. And one evening, someone came to him running in fear because he was being pursued. 
he was being pursued and he confessed to this little monk, he confessed that he had committed murder. And so he was being pursued by those who were seeking to capture him. And he said who he had murdered, and the person he had murdered was St. Dionysus' own brother. So here standing in front of him is the man who murdered his brother, and he's just learning this. And so St. Dionysius, being a holy person, far holier than any of us, he helped the man to hide away and eventually to escape. And when the party came to look, and of course these are his own family members coming to look for the murderer, he said that he hadn't seen him. So this man then repented of all that he had done and became a monk and lived a life in repentance after having committed such a grave sin. So it's a very profound story of forgiveness, something that we can't even imagine. He fulfilled that difficult commandment of our, Christ, of our Lord, Jesus Christ, to say, love your enemies. And he loved his enemy in such a profound way that we can't even comprehend it. As an aside, this reminds me of a talk I recently heard of a, a metropolitan in Cyprus. And uh, he was in Cyprus. For those of you who don't know, Cyprus is divided. There's the Turkish side and the Greek side. And he was able to travel in the Turkish side to where he had grown up, visiting places that were now no longer churches. And he uh, met a, a Muslim man there, and the Muslim man said, can you give me an applied gospel? An applied gospel, he kept asking for. Give me an applied gospel. And the Metropolitan was trying to figure out, what does he mean? What does he mean? And he finally, in talking with the man, realized what he was asking for was the life of a saint. He wanted to read a saint's life. An applied gospel. May we all become applied gospels. So truly, St. Dionysius is an applied gospel. He lived the words of our Lord, love your enemies. But what St. Dionysius did is far beyond what I could do, of course. And yet there's something in this story for each of us. You see, when St. Dionysius met his brother's murderer face to face, face to face, something bigger was happening there. God was inviting St. Dionysius into a deeper relationship with him. Standing before St. Dionysius was a profound opportunity to forgive. And in so doing, to become more godlike and to become closer to God. So in one sense, you could say that the murderer was bringing an invitation from God. That God was saying through this murderer, can you forgive? Can you make this great offering of forgiveness and love to this person in front of you? Can you join me? in being the source of all forgiveness and of love. This is what our Lord was saying to St. Dionysius through the person of this murderer. He was receiving an invitation from God. So now let's find a deeper meaning to today's gospel, shall we? In the gospel, we hear about a man who has a great banquet, and in that banquet... He has invited numerous people. And these people, as we know from the gospel, it says they all alike began to make excuses. And we know all the excuses that they make. The one that I think is most humorous, he says, 
I've married a wife, therefore I can't come. He doesn't even say why. I've married a wife. So the servant comes back and goes at his master's bidding to invite people who are willing to come. And of course, this is a parable about the eternal kingdom, about heaven, eternal life, and about that choice to join in the banquet, the eternal banquet, the mystical banquet at the end of time. But if we just apply this parable to that end of time, end of life decision, we don't get the fullness out of it. Because you see this invitation, these messengers from our Lord are coming to us all the time, day in and day out. Our Lord is coming to us. Can you be a little more patient with your child, he says, as your child is yelling at you? Can you be calm when you're driving on the road as someone cuts you off? Can you endure whatever it is that you're facing in that day? It's our Lord that is inviting us into a deeper relationship with him again and again and again. And yes, we, God willing, will never have the kind of extreme situation that St. Dionysius had. But we have our own situations that are just as difficult and unbearable as his. And in each of these, our Lord is inviting us. Now the good news also when we understand this parable in this way is that it's not all or nothing. Because we could be the person so often, the person in the, the gospel is me. I have some reason why I don't want to do the thing that's being asked. Or proverbially, I have some field that I have to go check out instead. But the good news is I still have repentance. The story is not over. So for these people, they may have repented. They may have come back and said, forgive me. I do want to come. I accept this thing that you have given me. So don't lose hope if you've had situations that were too much and you went in the wrong way and you realize that. It's okay. You always have repentance. You can always turn back to God and say, actually, Lord, I look at it in a new way now. So this is the first lesson from St. Dionysius is that our loving Lord is always trying to save us, always trying to bring us into a closer relationship with him, speaking to us through the messengers of our daily life. The second lesson that we learn from St. Dionysius, the first is from his life, the second is from after his falling asleep. So I mentioned to you about his incorrupt relics, and I just have to make a little aside here because we have so much baggage as moderns, as westerners. So much baggage. When I talk about incorrupt relics, and yes, you can go online and look at photographs of the incorrupt relics of St. Dionysius, most of us just kind of have a squeamish, morbid thought. Why am I looking at this? What is this here? There's a dead person with skin on them. Maybe we think of like mummies or something like that. And we totally miss the point. Why? Because, first of all, we're not digging up our loved one's bones every once in a while. We're not doing that anymore. If you were doing that, and you were digging up your loved one's bones again and again because they're buried in the ground, their bones are taken up, and other, others are buried there. And the bones are placed into an ossuary. Then you would know what a profound miracle it is. Then you would see what has happened here. 
what has happened to this body? That there's so much of God's grace in this body that God is revealing to us something that is beyond the laws of nature. And what do I do as a Westerner? They must have embalmed or something, right? They must have done something to that body. That's as much as I can get to it. And so we, I say this to all of you because I say it to myself, we have a lot of baggage that we have to get over. And if we have that baggage and hold on to it with our pride of knowing better, of knowing what's actually going on, we'll just miss the miracles. Because this second lesson of St. Dionysius is that the saints, our loving family in Christ, are very much alive. In the words of the psalmist, God is wondrous in his saints. And that word wondrous comes from the word thavma, miracle. God is miraculous in his saints, is what that says. So I want to tell you some stories of miracles secondhand from people that I know. So these are not miracles that you'll be reading online because, of course, our skepticism and doubt can jump into that a whole lot more. But rather, these are miracles like the miracles of the incorrupt relics of St. Dionysius. So I know someone who was recently on a pilgrimage to Greece, and like me, raised in the West, sort of not exposed to the miraculous things that exist in the world by God's grace. And so when he went into the church of St. Demetrius, he was overwhelmed by the fragrance of the myrrh coming from the relics of St. Demetrius. Then he and the group went to the church of St. Gregory Palamas. And when they went to venerate the relics of St. Gregory Palamas, some of the people were overwhelmed by the fragrance. And he couldn't smell it. And so he wondered, like, what is going on here? So later on, he had an opportunity to go back to the relics. And he went back and venerated the relics. And this time, the fragrance was alive in him. But then being a Westerner, he's like, I'm going to go back again and just see. Since one this way, one the other way. And he went back again, and no fragrance. These miraculous things. It's like the saints are saying to us, I'm alive. I'm alive. So he continued in his journey to St. Nectarios, and I don't know how many of you have been to the island of Echina, but there's a place where St. Nectarios' tomb is, and then his relics are, are elsewhere in the, in the monastery. And this place of his tomb is a place where you can go and put your ear to the ground, and you can listen, and there's a, there's a tapping that you'll hear. Again, our, our morbid minds might say, this is so strange. There's this tapping. So, so this person that I know, who shall remain nameless, he heard the tapping. There was a lot of other stuff going on. I mean, there are all these different pilgrims coming through. And so he listens again, puts his ear down to the stone, and he hears the tapping. He's like, I think I hear something, but I'm still not certain. I'm not certain. So he puts his ear down one more time and hears <laughs> louder so that he could actually hear what was going on. But these miracles aren't limited to places like that. I have just a very small little St. Nectarios being alive. Um, our son was baptized on the feast day of St. Nectarios, and Presbytero was saying about what a wonderful saint St. Nectarios is. But, you know, I, I have some closeness with him, but I feel like I'll have a deeper closeness, she's saying, when I go and visit there someday. If I'm ever able to go to Greece and visit Echina and venerate his relics, 
then I'll have a really deep closeness with him. The very next day after she said that, I was here at the church, and this man walks in who I see like maybe once a year. He's from another parish. He just happened to be going to the bookstore. He says, Father, I have something I wanted to give you, and he hands me an icon. Sorry. He hands me an icon of St. Nectarios, which he says, I got this in Echina, and I wanted to give it to you. Now, people might hear these stories, and sorry, and like it's just an icon, right? But on the very day after my wife says that, this icon from Echina comes to us. So let me tell you about some other people. Um, because these miracles are not just limited to Greece. So I was at the monastery uh, in Goldendale, and they were telling about a young man, not Orthodox at all, not Orthodox, his family's not Orthodox, and he was uh, a a teenager, and he was going to a rave, like these night parties, and in the middle of this rave, this man in all black, dressed like a priest or a monk, he doesn't even know what those are, walks up to him and he says, you shouldn't be here, you should go home. So he goes home, and sometime in the weeks after that, he and his mom are visiting the church where this nun's mom goes to, and he sees the icon of St. Ephraim of Naamakri in the narthex, and he says, that's the man that I saw, that's the man. So I'll leave you this, with this, oh, okay, one more, sorry, and then, <laughs> so uh, one of our parishioners was a part of this. Uh, the nuns at the monastery, they they had the 40-day memorial for Elder Ephraim of Arizona. This was about three years, four years ago. And uh, some of the nuns got to go down to Arizona, but most of them were back to the monastery, and so they were going to make polyvac. And this was in January, and they had no pomegranates. And so they said, well, we'll make the polyvac without pomegranates. They said a little prayer, okay? The next day, a parishioner comes up there, and, and she goes, I, you know, she comes only maybe once or twice a year up to the monastery. I, I was at the store and I thought I should buy this pomegranate and gave it to them. No idea of what it was for, no idea why. But the very next day, that's what they received. So the final miracle I wanted to tell you, this is one that is beyond incredible. So St. Minas is a very, very, he's over here. St. Minas is a very quick to hear saint. And there is uh, a, a man, an elderly man and woman who are visiting the, the, uh, the beach in Oregon. And this elderly man went down to the water, and unfortunately, tragically, he w- was hit by a sleeper wave and taken out into the ocean. And he did perish. And the mother, who was in turmoil on the beach, because the, the body is taken very far out into the ocean, She's in turmoil on the beach, wanting her husband back. Wanting her husband back. The Coast Guard go out and to do a search. Meanwhile, they called a few people, please pray for us in this situation. And someone's praying to St. Minas fervently for this situation. And the mother's on the beach, and the, the Coast Guard chaplain is there consoling her. And then finally they decide to call off the search after hours. And she's there on the beach, and she just does not want to leave. Does not want to leave. 
And the Coast Guard chaplain says, okay, we'll stay here a little bit longer. Meanwhile, these fervent prayers. And by the way, this, older, this couple's not Orthodox either. But the people who were praying for her were definitely Orthodox. And at that moment, two sea lions carrying the body of her husband bring the body to the shore. Now, if you read this in a book, you wouldn't believe it. If you read it in the saint's life, you'd say, well, maybe. But these are people that we know. These things are real. So I've said enough stories today. I want you to know that the saints are alive. And they're here for you. And they will do for you amazing things if you give yourself over to the miracles. Let us all say.